an AppleViz original. Hello and welcome. This is the AppleViz Extra WWDC 2023 Keynote Edition. My name is Thomas Donville, also known as Nonamount, and the motto of this year WWDC Keynote was dream it, code it, and chase it. And as always, Apple always produce a marvelous quality, such keynote. And of course, they got their PR team to do what they do best and to make their money for the day. They certainly made their money yesterday. That is for sure. It was jam-packed, two hours long, just a tad over two hours was the length of the keynote. And usually they have it sprinkled across lots of different videos to make the keynote longer. They didn't have to do that. It was actually just one video at the beginning. And then the rest was just back to back to back products and news and information. But we want to, first of all, want to appreciate and thank you for um, waiting on us for to release the AppleViz Extra edition for the WWE. DC keynote. We wanted to take an extra day because it was so packed with full things. We just needed just a little bit more time to digest. And not only that, but to bring you more news and things that we found out that was not in the keynote itself. So we thought this would be better and more comprehensive and more of a quality podcast for you listeners. And before we decode this keynote, I have my co-host with me and usually Dave Nason usually host this show and he decided to take a back seat to this. Isn't that right, Dave? I did. I like it in this chair. It's quite comfortable. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I. Yeah, we could trade. We could certainly trade. <laughs> You're but it's great to job, have Thomas. you on, Dave. Thank That's you. That's brilliant. And then we also have Tyler Steven. Thank you so much for coming on as well, Tyler. Hi. Thanks for having me. You are a man of words, my man. Man of words. As ha 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 ha. all right guys well let's just get this going and i'm just going to go ahead and just quickly go through the mac news as i think one of this is probably newsworthy and the other one is not so much newsworthy for our listeners and for ourselves and but the one that is interesting and which is the macbook air 15 inch model that came out it comes in three pounds and 11.5 millimeter thick which is absolutely Gorgeous. I used to have a MacBook Air and absolutely love that computer. And it just was so amazingly light and thin. And I am really surprised it took them this long to come out with a bigger version of the MacBook Air. That's just my two cents. So I'm glad to see a 15 out with an M2 chip. It has 18 hours of battery life, which is really healthy for a MacBook Air. Has six speakers. Can you, I just was dumbfounded that has six speakers on this little MacBook Air, but nonetheless, it comes in for 1295 smackers for this brand new MacBook Air 15 inch. Tyler, I know you're a Mac guy. Is that something? Have you always wanted to try a laptop like a MacBook Pro or something? Well, I've I've had a number of Macs over the years. I've never actually tried a 14 or 16 inch MacBook Pro in person. Um, I do have an M2, a 13-inch M2 MacBook Air, and I love it. Um, I th- the mics are pretty good, from what I can tell. Um, when you know when the connection's good and when I'm not muted, um, and I it's very responsive, and I like the feel of the computer. 
Um, and so I, I can't say I'm too interested in a 15 inch screen because I'm totally blind and I, you know, I'm fine with a 13 inch screen. I don't need that extra screen real estate but for people who do, but who don't need the kind of computational power as a MacBook Pro. This could be a good sort of in between because I've always thought that the 13 inch MacBook Pro, the one with a touch bar, has a somewhat awkward place in the lineup with its design not having MagSafe, as far as I know, and the touch bar being kind of not really catching on the way they expected it to or wanted it to. But it has stuck around, and I think the for most people you know, um, who need a bigger screen but don't necessarily need the the computational power of the you know the fourteen or sixteen inch MacBook Pro, I'd say the fifteen inch MacBook Air would probably be a pretty good bet for them. What about you, Dave? Is that something you would be interested in getting someday? Probably not this one, but because I, I don't need a fifteen inch screen or particularly want it. I'm talking to you now on a thirteen inch. Air, but it's the Intel one. So there will at some point be uh, an Apple Silicon MacBook in my future, I'd imagine. I'm more likely to go for the 13-inch or even maybe the 14-inch MacBook Pro. It's actually quite a good deal now as well that I've, I've seen people speaking about as like, if you're looking at the 15-inch Air, maybe look at that as well. But um, I think definitely, yeah, I'm like you, I'm surprised there hasn't been a 15-inch Air for such a long time. Um, and I think people who want that portability and a good amount of power and let's face it the m2 gives you good power even if it's not quite up there with the bros it's it's going to be more than enough for the overwhelming majority of people um and gives you that bigger screen so i think it's a lovely device and the price isn't bad i mean it's only is it a hundred dollars or 200 more than the 13 inch it's you know it's not it's not um as expensive as you might have thought um, it's in the United States. It's twelve. The fifteen inch is twelve ninety nine, and the thirteen inch actually got a hundred dollar price cut um, to ten ninety nine okay. US dollars. Okay. Um, and then the M one MacBook Air, if you, I believe that's still in the lineup for those who mm-hmm. wanted it for nine ninety nine. Well, yeah. I tell you why I like the fifteen inch, particular because. It's all about the keyboard. And I've tried the 13-inch. It was just too small. I mean, I just didn't like the key belt, the keyboard layout. So I really like the 15-inch. I've always, whenever I got in a laptop, it has to be a minimum of 15. Um, Always around the 15-inch. I don't try to get anything bigger than that. I think I'd have had a larger one before, but the lid over time, because it was such a large um, screen, would wear out faster but 15 was perfect but i do it for the keyboard layout so you got more additional keys than you do on a 13 so it isn't so smashed in so that's just what i thought that's that's interesting because i've always i've always maybe i'm just used to it and you get you do adapt i guess (laughs) because right i find they've done quite a good job of fitting a full-size keyboard into the 13 inch because when i compare that to like i'd never buy an 11 inch laptop for that reason because I have, for example, the iPad Air um, with the Mac, uh, you know, the magnetic keyboard thing. They have the magic mm, keyboard, right. and I just can't type on that thing. It's just too damn small, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I get where you're coming from, but the 13 for me is is actually okay. So, yeah, I think in the end, I am so glad that they came out with a 15. I think a lot of people would be happy, especially those that are excited to want a bigger real estate screen. Um, For those that are low vision, will now be able to get a larger screen as well. 
Now let's talk about the Mac that 99% of us are not going to be able to afford this, or we can just live in the dreamland. And they introduce the Mac Studio and the Mac Pro, which is the elite and upper key range when it comes to spec and features. This is revealing the M2 Max and the M2 Ultra. So the follow-up with the M1 Max and Ultra from last year. So they did not dis disappoint us with the specification of these new M2 Max and Studio processor. It uses the 5 nano technology, which I'm kind of surprised at some point I would think they go to the 3 nano, but um, I'm getting too geeky there. But we'll just do a few, some of the specs here for those that like to get their mouth watering like myself. It has 134 billion transistors. I was like, holy smokes. So that's how you can tell how big these processes are by how many transistors are in these packed into these CPUs. Gives us 24 core CPUs and up to 76 GPU cores. That is just mind blowing. So to put this all in a nutshell for us to understand, it is think of of being able to stream 22 8K streaming videos at once. That's how big and heavy these processors are. It can also handle up to six HDR displays, which I don't know why you wouldn't need six screen, but I'm sure somebody out there does want to have as many displays as they can. And this will come in in a hefty $69.95 range price for you. And that means there's no more Intel processor in along the Mac line anymore. So this is the final component that Apple made several years ago. They, they pledged to come to a point where their M chips would replace all the Intel-based chips in their line availability. And that seemed to come. Well, are either of you two going to get one? Uh, at least two of them, Tom. <laughs> one, one for the living room and one for the bedroom. Excellent. Uh, and and Tyler, is this mouthwatering to you? Like, gosh, can you imagine what we can do with this? I can't imagine how I would even get remotely close to, well, spending the kind of money on a, something like this. But even if I could, um, even close to maxing out the kind of, CPU potential that I, I think this is geared toward very high level creative professionals who are making a lot of video, doing a lot of rendering, scientists who are looking with a lot, working with a lot of data, maybe, maybe some very hardcore gamers, um, something like that. Um, but yeah, I will not be getting either of those Macs. Right. I think we could go into data mining if we, if one of us got into this, but. Who knows? Maybe you can watch 22 different Disney movies at the same time. That's, the same That's time. useful. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. And this, make one while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, right? So that was pretty much all the Mac um, that was mentioned in the keynote. And I'll be surprised, or I, I am surprised that they were mentioned at all. Um, I figured there'd be something different, be a different kind of products, but these particular Mac products did come of a surprise for me. So it's great to have them. Now let's get into something, the juicy stuff that a lot of people are keen to listen to. And that is the new iOS 17. So before we head into iOS 17, 
just a heads up, folks. I want to talk about which phones got dropped. So if you are an iPhone 8 user or the iPhone 10 level, you will be not be able to go to iOS 17. You will need a 10s and higher to be able to enjoy your iOS 17. I am really surprised of that because I don't see a lot of reasoning behind it. Like I didn't see anything in iOS 17 that would need that bump of a processor, but there must be something in there that's causing us to be able to drop those devices. So jailbreakers are going to cry on this one. So let's talk about these in different segment guys. And we're going to talk about just a few different things that they brought up in the keynote. I thought we'd talk about them in segments. And once we completed all the segments, we can kind of cover all, all of it. And there's any side notes or favors that you want to mention. The big thing was the couple of things they mentioned was right off the bat was the each of the communication applications got improvements that includes the phone, FaceTime, and messaging. My favorite, I have to say, I don't know why this is going to be interesting for us, is the contact poster for those on the phone. However, I thought the voicemail option that we are able to see the voicemail live so if they are leaving a voicemail we now we'll be able to see a transcription in real time and if we want to pick up that line we can do that while they're in voicemail the facetime you can now leave messages when somebody doesn't answer on your facetime call i thought wow that's about time they offered that feature i know i've made a lot of facetime calls to only have to hang up because they never pick up so now offering kind of a, a voice message there is going to be nice and messages came with kind of a handful of new things such as there's better search the catch-up feature where that allows you to go straight to the new messages which is going to be big for me because i get lost and i hate swiping swipe 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 until i find does, new messages on that one does voiceover not automatically or even non-voiceover jump you to that point when you open a message thread anyway theoretically yes you're supposed to <laughs> tap right in the middle and it's supposed to be focused to that does it always happen no <laughs> <laughs> if enough. you get yeah, caught focus it's a little erratic at least what i found Right. And so that catch up would be kind of nice, I suppose, to get around that particular bug. But the the last part of this segment is the audio message and messages is now transcribed. So yeah. I'm thinking our part of listeners and deaf friends will now be able to hear or see what's being spoken in the audio messages. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, it's like they're not mind blowing features, but there's a couple. A couple of them are nice tweaks. The posters, Thomas, I have no uh, particular interest in the, mm -hmm. the posters. Um, they, I think the, yeah, the, those little buttons, that, like you say, the catch up button and stuff like that. And they've also, I believe, improved, or they say they've improved the interface for apps, for iMessage apps. They're not something I've ever used a whole lot, but it'll be interesting to see if people prefer that kind of general layout. Definitely the um, transcription of audio messages is cool. And I'm interested to see with the voicemail thing, because we don't certainly, I don't know internationally how prominent this is, but certainly where I am in Ireland, we don't have the visual voicemail that you guys already have. Um, so I'm assuming oh. if we don't have that, we also won't have this new feature, but it does sound really useful. I'd love to, I would love to have this new feature because 
to be able oh, to just, it's almost like a way of screening a call. You guys don't have the transcription? Nope. Wow. I, for some reason, I, I, that's the first I've heard this. So, and where you are, you never got the voicemail transcription. No, I have no idea why. <laughs> wow. That's huge because I use it all the time. I mean, rather than listening, I just go straight to the transcription. I just read it. And it's just so much easier that way. Yeah, yeah. So this this new feature does that does sound really um really hmm. useful. They also mentioned something, I don't know if you got it, something about change to how the keyboard and predictive text, you know, will work as well. Um I don't mm-hmm. know if it's better or worse, but I'm really curious to try it and to see if typing is going to be better with voiceover or worse or how it's how you know the new changes are going to translate for us. Right. And you're talking about the auto correction improvement and, and now we actually have a grammar check. So that's mm. going to be interesting. And they said the the predictions are in line now. Cause I know at the moment in six iOS 16 they're kind of they sit above the QWERTY row on the keyboard. You get some suggestions and they mm-hmm. seem to imply that some suggestions will be in line, but I don't know what that really means in practice. So um, Didn't yeah, they mention something about if you hit space bar, then mm-hmm. that word just completed? Yeah. Might be something long like that. What do you think, Tyler, of all these different segments there? Um, yeah, I think they're good sort of quality of life improvements, like especially if that new autocorrect can predict like full sentences, mm. that could be useful. Um, they were talking about that yesterday. They used apparently some new model. They referred to it as like a transformer model, which sounds eerily familiar with like chat GPT, but it's obviously not the same model as chat GPT. And I think that Apple is still not ready to come out with a full blown generative AI solution or product. But I think this, this has reminiscence of products like ChatGPT and Bard and other things like that. So I'm curious. I haven't really had the time to really play with it to see how it works, how it compares to iOS 16. I know that VoiceOver in the release notes for iOS 17 in the current beta, it says that VoiceOver might not read inline responses or inline corrections. So the behavior might be a little unpredictable for us at the current time, but hopefully that'll be ironed out as things move on. Um, Interesting what you say there about the chat GPT, because I was actually struck yesterday. One of my takeaways was after seeing Google I.O. a few weeks ago, where I think AI was mentioned like 175 times or something. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there was one mention of AI yesterday. A couple of times they they mentioned uh, on-device machine learning. That's the closest they came. And even that was only on a couple of of occasions. Yeah, yeah. I think their philosophy around AI is a little different than the competition in that sense they're banking on the computational power of their devices to provide the on device to make it you not as cloud dependent and whether or not that works for them in the long term you know competing Mm -hmm. against generative ai solutions that are cloud-based is anyone's guess that difference in philosophy between from apple versus google and microsoft it really stood out like it really jumped out um yesterday The only other thing I would say is I just wanted to clarify back when we mentioned, uh, we're talking about the system requirements for iOS 17. You said the 10R wasn't supported. I thought it is the 10R, or I'm sorry, it is no. supported. The, it, the 10R it is, is supported. Yeah, the iPhone 8 and 10 are are dropped. Um, but I believe, I thought the 10S or the 10R was supported because it has the A12. Well, thank the you. The 10R and the 10S came out the same year yeah so it would all sense. right yeah so i think they i think the 10r is supported at least that's what i thought you know 
So we just wanted to make that. Um, I just wanted to put that out there. No, thank you so much, Tyler, for correcting me on that. So I apologize for those that were listening. Yeah, it is for the iPhone 8 and 10. You're right. The 10R and the 10S came out in the same year. So you're fine with those devices, uh, the 10R, 10S, and up. Um, it is interesting how the conversation of AI has really dramatically changed this year because it's always in the past, like you said, Dave, they always mentioned the word AI. And they were very particular not to mention it this time because the AI we know today is not the same as the AI what Apple has. And it's basically a scaled down primitive version. And they got a lot to work on and catch up, of course. But nonetheless, the auto correction, any type of improvement on that in grammar is something I always could use. And I think of all those items that I mentioned, that's going to be the one I'm going to be looking forward to the most. Um, there was a mention of the check-in feature, which is I thought was really amazing. Now, is that something I would ever use? Probably not. Um, I suppose if I am on my way home, my wife wants to know or something. It's not like I'm using it for a kid because I, I guess I'm technically like a kid. But um, the check-in feature sounds a really amazing being mm -hmm. able to, to keep a tab on somebody and make sure they get home safely. And I like the part where if there's a delay or if they don't respond back, how that person can dive into essentially to their location battery and all sorts of information uh, to help them to locate where they are at. Yeah, I think that's really clever. And I do, you know, I do that. I have a couple of friends who when we're out um, and we're all getting our taxis home or whatever, we do say, hey, let me know you got home safe, you know. So wow. if we're um, if we were all using iPhones, uh, which some of them aren't, but uh, it would be a really, yeah, I can see us maybe using that. That's would be a game changer. You're right. There's a lot of um, friends of ours and that we want to make sure they get home. And, and, and this just makes it even an awesome feature. I really like this. The other one is a name drop. I'm not a, there have been times I want to exchange contact with people easier. And so this new airdrop form called name drop allows us to bump phone and then it'll kind of magically happen, be able to transfer contact information. And what's really unique is if you want to give them certain content and you want to step away from the airdrop range, it will proceed on offline away from the other phone. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's useful. And you can, from what I could tell, like if I brought my phone close to yours, I'll get that option to, to do the name drop and I can choose, do I want to give you my phone number and my email address and my work phone number or just one of those or just two of those, if you get me. So it, it's not necessarily your full contact card. I think you get to choose which items. I stand to be corrected on that, but that's what I thought I picked up. Which what is, do you think, uh, Tyler? Nice. Yeah, it's funny because they talk about, this reminds me a little of, remember Bump from Samsung? Yeah, Samsung completely. Bump. They, <laughs> 10 years ago, actually, in the 2013 WWDC, where Apple was originally introducing or bringing airdrop to ios they mentioned so now you can share you don't have to bump your phones and now here we are um 10 years later i'm wondering if at least i'm hoping that this name drop feature is you can use you can choose what to what to share without needing to physically bump the phones together like if you can use airdrop but then before you make that airdrop transfer choose what to share so you get the best of both worlds where you can 
transfer within airdrop branch without needing to physically bring the phones together but you can also choose if you want what you want to share as part of your contact card um as part of your name drop so that's what i'm yeah yeah i yeah. think it's just nearby and it's not yeah. necessarily you have to bump but it's yeah. kind of a similar technique but you're just in the general yeah. area but i think Dave is right. I think what makes us different because we were able to airdrop our contacts already, but I think what we weren't able is to part them out and give them only what we want to give them. So I think that's what makes a difference here. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's true. Um, some new apps that we all have been hearing. Journal. So the Journal app has finally come, and there was a pretty good discussion about why people use a journal and things like that. So I think for those that are wanting to journal in a number of ways that this is going to be something that's going to be very helpful uh, for those that want to keep track of different variety of things. The standby mode, guys, I was like, hmm, I'll never use this. So I'd be curious what you guys think of that. And before we move on, we are going to discuss about the Siri 2.0 as well. Tyler, what do you make of the journal and the standby mode and the Siri 2.0? Well, the journal, I don't think that's out yet. Um, The app, it doesn't appear to be on my phone, at least not that I can tell. And I think it, I thought it was coming later this year, like in an update to iOS 17. They said later this year. Later this year. So it's probably one of those 17.1 Um, things. Yeah. Kind of like what they did with Freeform last year. It's not something I would use, but I think it's good for for those who do a lot of journaling. Um, it's similar to I think day one, is it? Um, and um, so I'm curious to see what they can bring. You know, what their sort of Apple flavors they can bring to the table. Um, as far as Siri, that's really. I guess they took the hay out of it, so you just say the name. But I don't really see how that. It doesn't sound like much of a change. Um, And from what I've used of Siri, it doesn't sound like, uh, you know, I've tried it in the beta. It doesn't sound like it's changed a whole lot. Um, I haven't tried the H-E-Y Siri versus just the regular Siri. And I'm going to have to, it's going to be like A-L-E-X-A now. I'm going to have to say it because whenever doing doing these (laughs) recordings, I'll have to say it so I don't inadvertently activate my own or other people's phones or devices with my voice. Mm-hmm. Standby, I will never use. I have no reason to use that. Actually, I have my or- screen orientation locked, um, so I haven't even really gotten into that. Um, really tried that feature, but it doesn't sound like anything I'd use. And one thing, it's it's weird how the tech publications are reporting this as a they use the term home hub, and I think that's somewhat misleading because when I hear the term home hub, I think of like HomeKit, where you mm-hmm. have a hub like an iPad or an Apple TV that can serve as a relay between an iPhone or a Mac, why you can't use a Mac as a home hub, I'll never know, but um, is a way of communicating with your home device, your smart home devices, even when you're off the network. The iPhone, they're referring to the standby feature, at least I don't know if Apple is, but some tech publications are as a home hub. And I think that's misleading because it's really, I wouldn't call it a home hub in the sense because you're not, not, in terms of smart home hub, but it's a hub in terms of your kind of, I would call it more of your day plan, your day planner, your day hub, because you can see effectively your today view, your widgets, your 
calendar, uh, photos you choose in a picture frame, weather, stocks, things like that. Um, so I think it's like the today view. Um, when you turn the phone into landscapes, you have a, an enhanced view of that. So you can look at that. So basically you can look at the today view while the phone's charging and get quick snippets from there. Um, Is that something you're going to jump on there, Dave? No. <laughs> um, yeah. I, and I suppose it's, it's, it's probably more useful to sighted people because it's about kind of, they were talking about using it on, you know, it's on the nightstand and you kind of glance across and see the information, that kind of thing. So um I can't imagine myself using it. Um, it's kind of cool that it's there for those who want it, though. Um, Siri, I agree. And actually, I'm a bit, I, I'm a bit unsure about the idea of dropping the hay, the hay. You know what I mean? Because, for example, if I started a sentence with the word "sorry," I can imagine <laughs> Siri waking up um, <laughs> when I don't want to do. You know what I mean? I just, I don't yeah. see the benefit of dropping the hay. I honestly don't see the benefit of it. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. Or do we know? I haven't got the it installed yet. Do you, can you choose between the two, or do both? Yes, you can. Work? Yeah, you can. You can choose between the two. So if you want to go back to the old um, ahoy, there you can. Mm. Um, on a on a low level, this is kind of a big deal because we I mentioned this in the Unleashed several months ago about why this is such a big deal, and it just means that. It is now Siri is growing up. So it's 2.0, meaning that it's now on par level of recognition and things as the A-Lady and the Google is because it had to have the hay in there because it was so complicated. It couldn't understand just the standalone word. So for it to recognize, it means there's more computing power. And that might be the reason why the iPhone 8 and the 10s do not get it. it might because of this complication. Um, so it is a big deal. Now, they did tout for better recognition um, when dictating. I promise yeah. you today, I thought, oh, maybe. And I just text my wife before I said, I'll be in a podcast. I'll see you afterwards. And it came out. I'll, I'll be in my pocket. I'll see you later. <laughs> so no, it did not work any better than it did before. Maybe it doesn't butcher as much, but so far, hopefully they'll do some tweaking one, to it. One other improvement they did talk about um, when you're having kind of an ongoing back and forth with Siri, you mm. don't have to keep saying Siri at the start of each response, which I think is an improvement as well. Right. Now you can have back-to-back conversations, so you don't have to invoke it if you want to ask additional questions. That also shows you the new intelligence that it's using behind the scene. As an as a whole, iOS 17, guys, there wasn't a whole lot in here. Now, as always, there are lots of little things I found out, and i like to share a few of those since I am on iOS 17. And one of the options they mentioned in the keynote I thought was kind of cute is that in the photos, we... Uh, it automatically categorized by people that you tell it, it what um, they are. So it knows that's Tom and that's Angela, but now it can recognize pets. I thought mm. <laughs> cats and dogs now can be recognized. That is Max or that's Fido. Um, I thought that was interesting. That's incredible. I, I, I lo- People will really enjoy testing this, you know, with their like, Two relatively similar dogs. It's gonna be cool. disastrous, right? Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's great though. I, I love that they right. do that. Um, 
So other things like being able to share air tags now. So it's not just to you. You can share up to five people of the air tags. And I thought mm. that is about time we were able to share an air tag. The follow up reminders is kind of a cool one for taking medication. So if you are one of those forget to take your medication, there's a new follow up notification that's in there. Cool. One of my favorite is the autofill verification, which we now have for messages, but we didn't have one for mail. So if you detect a verification to fall in your mail, it will automatically autofill that when you go to a page. And oh, very cool. What's cool on top of that, they now have a feature where you can auto delete all those two fobs from your messages and mail used ones. So once they're done, you're able to um, set this item up and it will delete it after you used it. That's cool because my my messages app is cluttered with verification codes. Right. <laughs> so. so we we can so these new things are just going to be so much easier. Um Apple Music fans, I am so happy. The two things I've always wanted is coming. One, Chris Fade. I know this sounds so simple and should have always been there, never been. And then my most favorite is collaboration playlists. So if you have a playlist you want to share with your friends and they can both add to it, delete things, I've always wanted that. And that is coming in iOS 17. That's really cool. I like that. But did you guys notice the side loading was not mentioned? In the yeah, after all the talk, <laughs> right? I still think it's coming. I still think it's coming in the spring in 17.x format. That's just my prediction. It still have to come. I just think they decided rather to say it now, just wait a sure. little bit until they have to. There is also talk that it, they may have to do it in some countries and not in other countries. And if that's, that's correct. the case, that if they choose only to do it in certain places, they're not going to mention it in a keynote, especially if the U.S. isn't one of those places. Mm, that is true. Um, now, I got to ask you guys. Now, I noticed when I looked into the Siri voices, there's five. Were there always five or there was four? Always five. Okay. But or at least five for a number of years. And what's new in this is the voices have changed to be more expressive. And so that seemed to be more, I thought it was more noticeable to me, but that's just my ears. I thought they did indeed change that a little bit. Does that include if you use them as a voiceover voice? That is included in the voiceover voices. You are correct. And now the million dollar questions, a lot of people are asking, yeah, this is all great. What's new for voiceover? What's new? What's new? I get that all the time. People get very excited. I get it. And they want to know all the new things. Honestly, there's very little. I'm going to warn you right now. There is not much in the way of new things for voiceover. Now, the open per voice settings is something new. I thought this was kind of interesting is that now when you go to your speech area and you select a voice, Typically, we just swipe down and I'll be able to speak a preview. And now if you swipe down again, you get this option to open per voice settings. And depending on the voice themselves, we'll have different settings you can change to that voice alone. So that voice in particular gets to change. And of course, you can reset it. And the other one, it's not really a voiceover settings, but um, I found in Safari, when you go to web page and you go to page settings, 
um, towards the bottom left, you go to page settings. There is now to listen to play. And that allows you to listen to their own Siri voice. And it is a really good that reads the page to you. you guys find okay, anything so else? That's like Microsoft's going to read aloud. Right. Edge, is it? Okay. I wasn't going to mention names there, Dave, but <laughs> it's just like Microsoft Reader. So it just reads it to you. So you can kind of just slow it down, reverse it and things like that, which is kind of cool. But it wasn't designed for voiceover, but it's something that we could use. But I couldn't find anything else. There's just really wasn't anything new out there. No new voices. A lot of people ask, are there any new voices? No, there are no I'd new say, voices. Yeah, I would say as well that you were in beta one and sometimes things do turn up later in the cycle as well. So we'll definitely keep an eye on it. But um, Possible. Yeah. Anything's possible. Yeah. And for you, Tyler, did you find anything new in there? Not in terms of voiceover, besides those per voice settings, which mm-hmm. I noticed Alex has a bit of a uh, some fluctuation in how it pronounces things or in, in its intonation. Um, I'll right. see if that's um, eloquence is um, I haven't noticed anything myself, but apparently there's a new um, you can choose between a sample rate, a higher sample rate um, to make it sound, I guess, to make it sound more high quality and less tinny, but then it pronounces things a little strangely, apparently, uh, if you use the higher sample rate. Um, but that could be just because we are in a beta. So only time will tell if that will evolve, how it will evolve. Um, outside of voiceover features, I think that read a lot. I've always wondered if that the personal voice feature that they mentioned on JAD could be useful with Safari's read aloud because it's like you could hear yourself reading back to yourself. Mm. Um, So I find if I was, say, rehearsing how to describe a complex subject, if I write something down and then use a personal voice to read it back in my own voice, that could be like rehearsal, like if I was making a recording, for example. Um, Outside of that, another feature I found which has potential is iCloud Keychains getting a new um, feature that I think it should have had a long time ago, but it's a password groups. So if you, for example, you and your family have a number of accounts that you share, credentials that you share, and you go through this back and forth of texting, okay, text one family member to ask, okay, what's the password for this? Then text another, and then someone else texts you, like, what's the password for that? What's the password for the other thing? If you could make it into a group, then you could choose, you know, the passwords from the passwords you have in your iCloud keychain, choose which ones you want to include in the group so that everyone has access to that up-to-date, those up-to-date credentials while keeping your own credentials siloed. So you're not sharing, you know, more than what you need to. Um, Pass keys can also be shared now. um, But I think there is still some limitations in that you know we're we're a year into passkeys and i'm excited for them you just see some websites have adopted them paypal google ebay some others but they still have the limitation apparently of they they don't sync between platforms so you can sync things between your mac your iphone your ipad you can sync separately between your Windows computers, your Android devices. But even if you're using, say, Chrome on Mac and Chrome on Windows, those pass keys will not sync over uh, between them, which could be a potential limitation. Yeah, um, it's it's that's a whole different subject. And day I do have 
Google passkey working. And to explain that in more details, it does work across platform. It's just a matter of, of telling the passkey holder of the devices that you're using. That's where it comes down to. But you're right. That is an intriguing uh, feature that they mentioned. I think that was mentioned in the Mac, which we'll be covering here in a moment. This is so typical of Apple is that they introduced these features that do work all across three three of these devices, the iOS, iPad, and Mac. And so it just seems like they want to kind of uh, beep up one section where it's just too small. There's not a whole lot to say. So they just kind of add some features in the iPad that may be available mm-hmm. in the iOS as well. And we'll be getting into those. And when we do get to those fields, I'll mention to you that what these are, um, if they're capable in iOS. I think Thomas, if if you were about to jump into iPad before, um, the the other thing people might be interested in, and they may have heard us speak about it previously, but um, Tyler mentioned global accessibility awareness day. And the point and speak is probably another feature, which is new in Mm. iOS 17. Right. and I, I don't have a pro device currently. I hopefully will later this year, but it does require those LiDAR enabled devices. But uh, I think that's probably something that some people in our community might find useful. True. Those are kind of the things I kind of just kind of glanced over because we did cover that before, but not in this particular podcast. But yes, and during the Global Accessibility Awareness Day, some of the accessibility items were mentioned then and not in the keynote. And you're right. I ha- I do have a LIDAR. I'm going to try that later on to see if that point and speak will work. That'd be something a lot of people would want to know how that works and how well it works. Um now, speaking of iPad OS, let's move on to that. It finally got the customized lock screen, folks. I was just like, I can't believe it was not in the iPad last year at all, but iOS. But now they seem to like make this like this is all brand new. Well, it is for iPads, I suppose, but I don't know. They've done that before, haven't they? So they did when widgets, when the new style of widgets came out first, I think they were in iOS a year before they were in iPad OS. Um, and now they've done it with a lock screen as well. Um, and the other thing they announced was the widgets are now interactive and they announced that as part of, it goes back to what you said a minute ago, that they announced that as part of the iPad OS announcement, but actually it's on iOS and iPad OS that widgets are now interactive. Right. And so that is an iOS feature, as you mentioned, is an interactive widget. I, you know, I'm not using widgets at all now, but interactive, I suppose there's certain things I might use it. I don't know. I, I'm just not a widget, guys. Do you guys use the lock screen widgets a lot? No. Or I do. Well, for lock screen, on the lock screen widgets, I do, the little ones, I just have like weather um weather ones and i would have my fitness rings one but it has had a bug for the past year where it doesn't read them properly if you have them in the top widget space but uh they're the kind of ones i would use on the lock screen on my home screen i would use i use widgets a little bit for things like i had the overcast apple music and audible all in like a widget stack so Hmm. i kind of flip between so i just use it for my those kind of apps and to just jump straight to the book i want or straight to the um the playlist I want, that kind of thing. Now they're being interactive. That will make you wonder what they will do further in, in mm. that widget is itself. Yeah. And it might be including play pause buttons and things like that, that will just work as play pause buttons and not have mm-hmm. to uh, open the app. Rather than yeah. open up the full screen. 
So they also mentioned yeah. about improvements to viewing PDFs. And I I don't know. It, there's little things like if now if it detects it is a, um, a form that you need to fill out, it will automatically figure that out and it will introduce you to an autofill that will say, hey, what's your first name, last name? I thought that was kind of cute. They did bring annotation to it. So you can do that on top of that. I don't think there would be a lot of us doing that at all. They do have an improvement to stage management and improvement to free form. And that is pretty much for iPads, guys. Any, I was just kind of, hmm, it wasn't yeah. a lot in there. I think there's going to be, it's certainly the people who really want to start using iPad more as a productivity device. I think there'll be probably a bit of disappointment that they're, People still feel like iPadOS is, they want more, they want more of a computer out of this thing. Um, right. They've, they've stuck to their this. guns on this one and they're not, they're not removing. You have an extremely powerful processor and a iPad that's being extremely underutilized. What about you, Tyler? Anything in there that kind of fancy your? Mm, not really. The not iPad, really. you know, I don't have an iPad you know, as I've said in previous Apple Vista extras and the changes and advancements over the years in iPad OS have not been enough to really convince me of the iPad's merit in my use case, because the things I do, I could either do with my iPhone or my Mac. There's nothing that those devices can't do that I need that an iPad would do. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's underutilized. I, I still wonder what their end game is here when they're putting this very powerful hardware. You know, the Apple, the same chips they use for Macs, those Apple Silicon chips, in an iPad that basically runs a glorified version of iOS with all its limitations. And while make while those types of limitations might make sense for an iPhone. It doesn't work so well on an iPad, which is sort of a, almost like a compromise device between a computer and a phone. Yeah, right. Exactly. But the uh, the optimist in me is hoping that, and it's something that wouldn't necessarily have been in the keynote, so that's why I'm being optimistic, is that uh, maybe keyboard support will improve because it's one of the biggest problems I have with the iPad is I have that keyboard case. I would love to be able to do more with the keyboard, but like you know, basic screen reader functionalities aren't there, like first letter navigation or, you know, certain how it works uh, in terms of, you know, just manipulating text. It's just not, it just doesn't compare to what you can do with a Mac using the right. keyboard. Um, I really want them to close that gap. Um, I have no reason to think they will, other than maybe they've been listening to people and, uh, mm -hmm. and have been working on it in the background. We want more shortcuts. I get it. More keys we want more and yeah you're right there's always possibility but um at this moment uh, we haven't really dived into ipad to find that out i would be surprised if they did it seems like a lot of the resources went into making that customizable lock screen and yeah. what it sounds like but i think thomas as well on when it comes to ios and ipad os as a as a group what given that they're not flush with lots and lots of new features i think what everybody probably listening is thinking is okay does that mean bugs are going to get really get a a good going over this year and uh, that we're going to see kind of that kind of quality improvement in ios 17 and ipad os 17 you're right i this is one of those um maintenance year that's what i'm looking into this year is the maintenance and not so much in heavy in features and stuff 
Um, let's talk about Mac OS 14, folks. Sonoma. What do you think of that, Tyler, the new name there? Yeah, Sonoma. I didn't see that coming. I know they had trademarked it. They've trademarked a number of names of California locations over the years, but some of them haven't been used. Some of them have. Um, that's I don't really besides that, I don't really focus too much on the names of Mac OS <laughs> versions. Um it's kind of like iOS 17. It's kind of reminds me of sort of a TikTok type release. Some of the yeah. same improvements, but nothing earth shattering. Uh, you got new screensavers. I mean, you got a lot of screensavers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do not, you know, do not have any real use for that. And it's weird how they, they actually opened the keynote yeah. segment talking about screensavers. And that's when I knew it was like, okay, this is going to be a low key year. This is going to be this version of Mac OS is going to be uh, okay. a was low key type release. Um, there are what about the widget on the desktop? I thought that was kind of big. Yeah. Widgets on the desktop. Yeah, I still have to <laughs> test that out a little. Um, and I'm not, I don't use widgets too much on my phone. Um, I've you know, I've experimented with them a little, like the home, like I think if it was interactive, I could use the home kit widget maybe to you know turn off and on my smart plug if Siri wasn't working or my Siri shortcut wasn't working. Um e- and maybe so what I've found is that you can go in and you can go into the notification center, add widgets to the desktop. Um, I don't know how that will work. Um, it seems as of, I mean, this is beta one, so I'll keep that um, in mind, but it did seem a little flaky with voiceover. I'm not sure quite how it's supposed to work. So I'll have to look into that a little further. I remember Tyler, so, when, um, when widgets first came to notification center, they were extremely flaky with voiceover as well, weren't they? Oh yeah, they were. Even into the general release of macOS Big Sur, that's when they were introduced. They revamped the notification center and the widgets were you couldn't add widgets or couldn't modify them. So, yeah, I'm hoping this time around it'll be a little more thorough. Um, part of the problem is if you don't know how something works and you don't have that type of communication, it's not always easy to report issues because you don't know how it's supposed to work in the first place. It's more difficult to report bugs and then you end up getting a sort of a cycle where it, it adds up to a less polished final product. Um, Mm. But uh, besides that, I think there's a new gaming mode. I'm not much of a gamer. And I think this is primarily intended toward, say, video gaming. Um, It improves the performance of wireless controllers and audio devices. Um, For those who are gamers, I think that could be quite useful since, well, Mac hardware has become increasingly powerful and increasing numbers of developers are, you know, expressing interest in Mac gaming and porting their games over to Mac OS. Um, and that's really kind of, that's kind of it. There's, there are a lot of little improvements similar to iOS 17. Some of the things I mentioned previously are also in Mac OS Sonoma. Um, but that's kind of what I think I would like. To, it's also light and voiceover changes. It does max with Apple Silicon do get that personalized voice where you can make a voice based on your own, your own voice. Um, I haven't tested that yet, so I can't say, um, but I, it, it, you know, a more feature parody. I am hoping this year that they really, that bugs get a good squashing across iOS and Mac OS, especially if they're not adding new features. This is you. the time to right. address bugs. 
I am totally with you. It seems like this is the year they clash with Microsoft. So the read aloud, now we got the play to listen. And not only that, but the widgets on the desktop, well, that's ditto to what Windows 11. So I have these weather widgets and things like that. That is, mm, I'm not yeah. something that we would use, but it's just little yeah. things like that. And, and, and game mode, yep, that's something that Microsoft just released as well. So it allows you yeah. to get a better, uh, allow higher processing for gaming mode. Um, yeah. so I don't this- use Windows yeah, I don't use Windows 11 widgets either, so I don't think I'll use them on Mac OS, but I'll have to see as it right. is. Did, did I see that they have a, whether to use it or not is another matter, but it's kind of cool that they can do this if I picked it up right, that you can see your iOS widgets on your Mac. It's yeah. kind of like, like a continuity feature. And that's one of the cool things about, I know you're a Windows guy, uh, Thomas, uh, but Tyler, I'm sure you'd agree that one of the cool things about having a Mac is how it syncs with your, with your iPhone. Uh, you know, yes. continuity, you know, you open a, a Safari page on your iPhone and you want to move it over to your Mac. It's so simple to just pick that up on your Mac, you know, so those kind of features are cool. It's So it's cool that they're doing that, whether or not I need it or not is a different question. Mm. And speaking of Safari, and we mentioned this a little earlier, being able to share your um, keychain and pass keys with family and friends. Uh, the private browser got some new perks to it. It's it's kind of, I don't know, I think it's kind of a little funny, but you can now lock it with your face ID. So if you want to lock your mm-hmm. privacy tab, so if somebody gets on your device and sees that a tab is in private mode, that they're not going to be able to get into. But it does do some additional tracking um, removal in there. So there's some new things in the Safari that is worth there's, looking into. I think and profiles yes, as well. Oh, Thomas, that's right. The profile. Kind of cool. I, how is that different than tab groups? That's what, you know, the tab groups was underutilized. I never use it. So the groups mm. you were supposed to be able to say, this is my work group. And these are all the tabs I have for work. And now you have profile that you use for work yeah, you and, can have different tab groups within different yeah. profiles there. <laughs> yeah and you can apparently you can do with the extensions you can have different it's kind of like how chrome and edge do it so i think they're kind of they're taking after those browsers mm-hmm. you can have different extensions different cookies so for example for, for yes you could have tab groups for your work and your home but say if you wanted say are you you have your Gmail account and you have that on your home profile so that whenever you go to Gmail, you don't have to switch your account on Google's interface. It'll just come up on the, the, the cookie for your personal Gmail account. And then if you set your work profile, you have a Google account for work say with Google Workspace, you go into Gmail or Docs or whatever, and it would automatically sign you in to your work yeah. because it's from Google's perspective or the website's perspective, whatever you go to, it looks like a separate identity. I could use the times to have... Just say be signed into AppleViz.com as Dave, uh, you know, as my personal account on my personal profile. And then in my work profile, be signed in as Sky, where I work. And, you know, if I need to to check anything from that point of view, without mm-hmm. having to side out and sign in with each of them. You're probably right. I, maybe it is on a line like that, Tyler, where the profiles or will keep the trackers off of each other. And different privacy perspective is kind of like a, its own sandbox. I wonder if it works like a sandbox. Um, we'll have to see. And one last feature for the Mac. I ha- I don't think this is going to be anything crazy or wild, but I'll get Tyler's input, is that they were showing a demo where you could be able to take a website and then convert that into an app on your device, on your Mac. 
So essentially a web app. Yeah, that reminded me a little of iOS's add to home screen feature. Right. Where yeah, so I think if you get a maybe a full screen view or something like that, um, it basically is a way. Uh, my understanding of it is a way to integrate, make a website feel more at home on your Mac as if you were using an app. Um, Makes me wonder if it's more for design like those that are intended for web apps, so like the Microsoft 365. So when you go online, you get access to Word and Excel and things like that. And it is designed like as if you had a standalone app. So I imagine that's what that's probably designed for. So if you want to have Microsoft 365 launch right on your desktop or your dock somewhere, and that just opens it up and you just feel like that's a standalone app. And I think that's the idea. I just don't see a whole lot of people doing that, but that's just no. in the area I live in. Maybe that's different into those that are working in different types of area or students. I don't know, but that's the last thing that I yeah. have I for think, Sonoma. Yeah, I think for especially Microsoft 365, if someone want to use that, I think they just open up the desktop apps because those are more refined well, <laughs> sometimes the apps that's a polite way accessible. of putting a tyler <laughs> more refined <laughs> yeah. um so let's quickly go through the other os that were mentioned um let's start with a tv os that seemed to be kind of a big thing they touted and that was the improvement to the control center and the big one is FaceTime finally comes to TV OS along with a video conferencing that allows you to use your iPad or your iPhone now with your Apple TV. And so you can now have those conference and FaceTime on the Apple TV. It does support center stage, which is kind of interesting. So that is supported in those um, communication services. And the Zoom and other web conferencing like WebEx will be coming soon. And then this last one, I just had to laugh that I never could figure out why they didn't do this last year with the Siri Molt, but now they introduce you to find my Siri Molt. Yay. Yay. Um, there is also mention about VPN is now coming to home OS as well. For some, that might be important, especially um, those that live in different countries need to get to certain streaming platforms, things like that. There's a reason why you want to do that. Any feedback from on the home TV before I move on, guys? Uh, I mean, they're they're fine. <laughs> I, <think. laughs> I didn't know if you have any the one that was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. I got to talk about that or anything. But yeah. they I know like of... a few, if, uh, yeah, I, like, I can see people, some people maybe finding the Zoom, you know, the, the video conferencing useful, but you do then have to have some sort of a stand. I don't know, do you sit it on top of your TV? I'm not quite sure how you work your iPhone or your iPad into the equation so that you have a camera on you. Um, and then does that mean you have to have AirPods in for a microphone or is it picking that up across the room? So I have questions about how that work, how the FaceTime thing works and the other apps work. Right. At least you got a bigger real estate to see. So if you're low vision, you'll be able to use your home TV to see the bigger screen. Um, I can see this really useful for um, web conferencing with teachers or maybe at work yeah, and things like that, that instead of having video conferencing equipment or just having an iPad to share through the whole table, you now be able to display that bigger. So in some perspective, I can see why that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah, it's like I said, it's the how the implementation I, I'm still unclear on because, mm-hmm. you know, 
you need I, to bring your iPhone or your iPad into into the mix as well. If you like to conference with your family a lot, um, just being able to talk to your group of people at once, I can see why that would become useful. So you're not all crowding over one iPhone to say hello yeah, and things exactly. like that. Yeah. So there's some perspective to that. Now, the AirPods OS got some loving this year, and they introduced something called Adaptive Audio Listening. That's a hybrid between transparency and active cancellation. That was interesting. I really don't know what to think of that until, I mean, right now I use transparency if I need to hear everything. And I, I don't know. That's just me. I'd be curious what the other AirPod users out here thinking about. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to, I'm definitely curious to try it because I'm, I'm a big AirPods fan myself and I do find sometimes when I'm walking out in the street, I want to be in transparency mode, but I can't actually hear the podcast that I'm listening to because the traffic noise and thing is is too loud. Mm. But then if I go into no, full noise cancellation, I'm like, oh, am I, is this stupid as well? Because maybe I'm taking a risk by being in noise cancellation. So if this is some way of getting the best of both worlds, I don't fully understand how, but if it is, then, then great. But uh, I'll be definitely interested to try it. It almost makes you think there's that middle zone where you felt like transparency, like you just said, like transparency was too much and active was too much. And I need just something. It will be one of those. I have to wait and see. I mean, yeah, the, the, the adaptation of understanding when somebody talks, then it comes through. That's going to be mm-hmm. interesting. I'm curious what kind of a lag or down, you know, how quickly does it, reduces volume to you be able to hear the person talking there's little things like that to talk about but nonetheless you never get to hear anything like this in a keynote so it's wonderful to see now HomePod didn't get much of a love they just it's got some um it got some improvement to airplay that is always a plus now i didn't understand this airplay to hotels if they provide such a service it sounds like they need to have TV sets that is airplay yeah. compatible. So the my, if I understood it, you'll go into the hotel room. The TV set will have airplay. Will be a specific TV, I guess, with airplay enabled, and there'll be a QR code displayed, and you will scan the QR code, and that will link you to that TV, and then you can airplay to your TV. Oh, so you don't have to sign in with your Apple ID. I see. Yeah, that if. Again, caveat, if I understood correctly, <laughs> there was no. definitely mention of scanning a QR code. So that was my understanding of it too, that, to provide a more secure environment than say, if you were at a hotel and so that you only have access to between your devices and the TV in your room, you don't have to sign in with your Apple ID and you don't have to see anyone else's TVs or devices. Then why would I need a home TV then? <laughs> Um, no, it's just, it just makes me think about that because you're right. I always want to airplay things to my home TV, but if I could just airplay it to my regular TV, the better. And I, it, it's one of those things kind of like Apple keys in certain cars or Apple in certain, um, car plays. And so it just depends on the adaptation by the TV industry or their TV set or the television, like Samsung and uh, yeah, LG. I even wonder because there's a whole industry out there of hotel kit. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, there's there's TV providers that we don't have in our homes that provide TV services to hotels. So this could be something that isn't even mm. available 
to you ha- to have that kind of TV in your home, it may simply be because they, they said, I think there's one hotel chain who are doing this first. So right. it may it's the same be hotel, a hotel thing. Right. It's the same hotel chain that's doing the um, use your iPhone to unlock your room key as a room Makes key. Sense. Makes sense. And it's like, yeah, we, we see how that's being adaptive. It isn't. <laughs> and so I, I can't imagine this falling to the side. I They mean well. Um, it's just like they just kind of dangle to people. Here you go. You can do this. Add it to your stuff instead of collaborating with Sony and Samsung and going after and make sure it gets in. I, I just feel like Apple isn't doing a book big enough push to make this a reality, especially the hotel key. But anywho, uh, CarPlay did get something called SharePlay. Now, this does occur in my family. We do have CarPlay in the car that we drive. And my daughter or my son will always fight over the cords who can play the music on the stupid car. So this allows us to say one device is connected to the CarPlay. I don't need anybody else on the CarPlay but mom. And so if we if mom allows you, she can do share play. And that means she can open up Apple music and do share play with everybody in the car. So everybody can take turn of being able to pick what they want to listen to and play it and take over from there. So that was kind of the things that some will never use, but in my case, we definitely will. Um, Let's talk about watch OS at the last OS before we get to the one more thing here. Now this one was very interesting because I Need to see to this, understand the smart stack with the digital crown, folks, because it sounds pretty cool. I'll be able to flip different widgets and then be able to go to that item. That sounds like instead of I have to worry about all the computations anymore, it sounds like I can have one area of the smart stack that has multiple computations that I can interact with. Is that what you guys got out of this um, smart stack? It sounds almost like watch os one where they had those um what do they call glances that you used to open up and you had like a series of glanceable kind of they were like you know little mini versions of the apps do you remember those boy yeah i think they've yeah watch apps i don't think a whole lot of people and correct me if i'm wrong but my understanding is that a whole not a whole lot of people use watch os apps watch a number of apps have come and gone from the Apple Watch. And so I think they're trying to make a more lightweight experience where it's sort of a hybrid between the things we had in watchOS 1 where there weren't really apps. They're more like using continuity, relying on the iPhone to serve up the apps to the watch and watchOS 2 where Mm. you had full-blown apps on watch. It's sort of a a blend between them where you have small apps, widgets hosted you know, directly on the watch, so you're not relying on your phone, but it's a very lightweight experience. So you're only looking at, say, brief snippets of information or interacting with a small number of functions. I think that sort of ties back to the interactive widgets too with iOS and Mm macOS. The watch Um, has the power to do this now, which it didn't have 10 years ago. Yeah. Definitely something I'm interested in, and I haven't downloaded that um, beta onto my watch yet. I definitely will keep track of that and see what that smart stack is all about. But if it's what I think it is, that is going to be huge. Um, That will prevent from me having to press on the digital crown and find the app itself to open up just to 
peek in what's going on. If it's something that I can just glance at, that's different. I will definitely love that. Um, and of course, we've got Snoopy and Woodstock. That is now <laughs> as a watch face. So I knew we were all excited, but that will not convert me from my Mickey Mouse watch face. Sorry. I was just about to ask you, have you, have you got a rival? But no. Nope. And Mickey Mouse will live on this watch forever. I don't care if other does 20 computation and this only does three. I don't care. It's Mickey Mouse. <laughs> um, it has some really cool stuff like it's now able to tap in and give the developer's API into more of the accelerometer and the sensors in the watch. For example, they were doing some uh, discussions about golf swings and tennis swings, how they can tap into the API to see how you how well your swing was and things like that. So they kind of threw a bone to the developer on that new API of what they could use it. And I'm thinking they could probably do a lot more than just those scenarios. So I'll be curious where the developers take that. Mm -hmm. um, there was a mention about hiking. There's elevations. There's new being able to see the trail point, um, an altimeter and things like that. So there's some new um, outdoorsy stuff activities and features that people can use. And then of course, the last one is for the iOS and iPad and the whole line is that in the health app, now you got the mental health, they add that into the health app that allows you to keep track of different mental um, health issues that you might want to track, moves, swings, and things like that. And they also implemented something called vision health. I thought that was kind of funny because they were mentioning a lot about kids like it, it, you can set it up where they have to have 60 to 80 minutes outdoors. It would detect that they were outdoors and made it. So it sounded like a, a ring they to complete. And then um, it somehow will sense how close they're looking to their device, tell them to stand back a little further. I thought some some of those little things were kind of um, cute. It is kind of good. Although I did enjoy uh, that. They talked about how it can tell you if you're sitting too close to the screen. And then in one more thing, they sold you something that literally you strapped to your face. <laughs> right. They ended up just like that. You know, I, I, it's nothing against um, um, Cook is that Tim Cook is that he just didn't strike it like Steve Jobs did because Steve Jobs says, and, but there's one more thing. And when he said that, it was like, what did you have up his sleeve? But this time, I just kind of felt bad for Tim. I think because like, there was no crowd there didn't help him, though. Because, you know, when yeah, Steve Jobs did that, yeah. there was a whole crowd going, Whoa! Uh, It was a surprise. Yeah, yeah that might have been. I kind of missed the crowd, you know? Yeah. Um, Although, yeah, I feel like for me, it's I have an easier time concentrating on the crowdless events. The crowds, it just people are clapping and ooh ah and you're doing all that stuff <laughs> like like it gets for me that gets a little distracting after an hour uh, and a half <laughs> to two hours yeah, to two and it, a half hours yeah it sucked into the apple juice you're like you're going with them oh i love this oh i'm good you know i don't get that feeling anymore but it's anyway. like how a comedy movie is funnier when you watch it with other people who are laughing with you around you it's like, right it drives the excitement <laughs> in the greater it's probably why there are laugh tracks and sitcoms. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. So the one more thing is what we all have been assuming would finally happen, and it finally happened. So the Apple finally released their HAR VR headset, which is called the Vision Pro. That's right, Vision Pro. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Vision Pro instead of the Reality Pro we all thought it was going to be Reality Pro for months. It is Vision Pro. You know, um, I'll, let's just go over some of the specs here. So there, I was surprised to see there's over five thousand patents that went into making this glasses. There's twelve cameras on this device. I was like, wow, six microphones and five different variety of sensors that makes up this brand new Vision Pro and includes an R1 chip, which is the kind of a sister related to the M2 chip. So it's a pretty powerful processor, but just designed specifically just for the Vision Pro. And it uses your eyes, your voice, and your hand gestures to be able to implement this device. Now, I'll admit when I heard all the things they mentioned here were just drooling because I have vision at one time and I was just imagining Whoa, I can do that. I can do that. But now that I was blind and listened to this, it was like a lot of these things. It's like, that's great. I'll never use that. That's great. That's, I'll never use that. So some of the things that some people worried about is the optic ID. So we had the touch ID, face ID. Now comes the optic ID. So this uses your eyes. And a lot of people are worried about this. And I totally understand because either you have... Uh, a fake eye or your eye is just not um, cooperating with you to be able to use the optic idea. A lot of people are worried about this. I assure you that that can be disabled and we won't have to worry about using that. Now, we'll have any other feature besides that. I don't know, but um, I'm sure you don't have to worry about that. So, and the other things that people worried about is eye movement detection. So you'll be able to use your eyes. It will tell where you're looking at and that we'll be able to interact different things like that. And again, that goes into visual aspect of things. The Now, the virtual keyboard is something interesting. I think all of us would be interesting to see how this works as well. And my one of the things I thought was interesting is that being able to bring a virtual desktop of your Mac so you can use your Mac with the glasses and have the virtual desktop hovering nearby on your Vision Pro, which is I thought was kind of a unique feature. The three kind of like having a second monitor. It, yeah, I, I was thinking about that. And they said that you could have multiple display up mm-hmm. as well, not just one. And I'm thinking. There might be a day where and you are in an office, you need that strict privacy and they don't want to be able to see the screen because my wife, um, they have to put the screen thing on her monitor so you can only see it one direction. But so if you look at the side or any way, nobody can see it. So it's kind of blacked out. But the problem is it makes it really difficult for you and you have to strain your eyes to be able to see through those kind of a, a device that where you can see it just ahead. Now, I can just imagine this in work environment where they'll be able to see the screen um, privately. So that's just something to think about as well. The 3D camera and uh, um, camera and video for audio and video with spatial audio. Now that was Interesting. If you need something to record audio and spatial audio, that would be awesome. I mean, yes, I wouldn't spend the money just to get that, but it is a feature that I think was interesting. I'd like the panorama. So if I take a photo, it takes a picture 360 around. The same for for video, which I never heard of. So I can just take a video and it's all 360 is being recorded. Not that I'm able to see what I'm doing, but 
be able to share that with my family and things. I think that's something we could all use. Um, and then lastly, the cinema mode, which allows you to zone into movies and TV shows and things like that. Okay, guys. So before we jump into accessibility, accessibility portion of the, I will never get this down, the Vision Pro, guys. Um, that's going to be a hard word for me to learn. But anyway, what did you guys come away from the Vision Pro yourself? Um, I to know what to say, Dr. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something similar. Like uh, this particular Vision Pro, the first one, it is very much a first generation product. And I don't, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think this is going to be the runaway success that the iPhone was in reinventing the smartphone or the iPad was when it defined the standard for a tablet computer. Part of that is the fact that largely the, the market is curious about these types of AR, VR, MR headsets from companies like Meta, and they've made a dent, but they haven't exactly set the world on fire. Like we're not all walking around with meta quests and quest pros and things like that. Um, and the use case is still, I think, being defined. The, the, the use case for something like this, they, they mentioned a lot of things you could do with it from, you know, communication. If you're conferencing, you could make things immersive. You could have immersive entertainment. Um, accessibility speaking, there's a ton of things that you could do, you know, um, with, you know, having all that, you know, cameras and mics, LIDAR in a headset, you're not using a phone, you could make very good use of things like IRA and BMI eyes and stuff. I'm thinking ahead here, but for the price of $3,500 US, uh, that's not for me, at least that's certainly not enough, you know, worth it to, you know, spend that kind of money on a BMI eyes machine that I can do with my phone and not spend nearly that amount of money. Um, I think in the future, if they play the if Apple plays its cards right here, it could be um, it could be significant. Uh, I'm more looking forward to if they end up coming out with glasses in the future because that sounds more discreet. Like this doesn't sound particularly discreet from what I could tell from how they were describing it. It was like a headset with uh, frames and a headband on the back and a battery, a wire that goes to the hip mounted battery pack on the left of your of your left side of your body um and so yeah that doesn't sound particularly appeal as far as wearing it if they came out with glasses that were more low profile and maybe less expensive i could see that going places um i see a lot of potential for you know in that case because you think of things like door detection and point and speak people detection it'd be much easier than to say, wave your phone around or try to approximate the locations of things relative to the camera on a phone. Whereas you have all that taken care of in an integrated system, like an AR headset or glasses or something like that, but it will need to prove itself. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that it will need, it hasn't quite, it really will need to prove itself over the next year or two for me to really come up with a decisive verdict. It's, it's very version one. Like, let's be honest. Um, It's got two hours of battery life. And it's not even in the headset itself. That's, you know, wired into a, a something in your pocket. Um, and I think where they, you know, you talk about, you know, compared to Meta Quest and things like that. Like, are these guys, are we, are Apple the first to do a mixed reality in that way? Like you turn the digital crown and it kind of fades you between 
the fully immersive VR world and the immersed in the real world kind of side of it, uh, AR world. I, that's kind of a really cool idea that you can kind of have that, you know, both um, aspects to that. Mm. And I, I think uh, it reminds me of the Apple Watch in some ways as well, because when that came out, Apple had a million and one that you could use it for this and you can use it for this and you can use it for this. And it took them a few years to really nail down what is the Apple Watch really useful for? What do people actually want? And it became mostly, you know, a health and fitness um, device and, you know, notifications and glanceable information. But some of the other stuff they used to talk about at the start kind of faded away. And I think, you know, I'm not so convinced that I'm going to sit there using Microsoft Word on a on a headset. Um because I'm not sure it's going to be any better than just sitting in front of my computer. But there are other experiences, you know, some of the entertainment stuff um, or meetings I can kind of see. Yeah, maybe, you know, for virtual meetings and things, I can see, yeah, maybe it would be cool for that. So I think it's about letting this thing mature a bit before we can really say, is this going to go? It's going to go anywhere. But whether the price can come down enough. And I think, yeah, Tyler's right about, you know, obviously, yeah, it, you're right, Tyler. It's not discreet in the slightest. It looks like big, you're wearing big ski goggles and, or something, you know, it's mm-hmm. not. Um, it sounds cumbersome. Like I even wear yeah. ski goggles and it, I don't like how they feel on my face. So, yeah. Yeah, um, you're not you're not going to walk down. The, you're not going to want to be walking down the street wearing one, <laughs> one of these, mm-hmm. I don't think, in the, in the short term. And maybe someday there'll be a Vision Air as well as Vision Pro. You know what I mean? And so you only want certain features or you, you don't need the full kind of, you know, range of capability and so there'll be a lighter version and things like that that will be more affordable. They're the kind of things I would be hoping for because you want them to be more affordable um, and you want them to be in a place where you can get ones that that do what you need to do and maybe you don't need all the bells and whistles. So I think it's a definitely an interesting start, but I don't think really anyone average user is going to be buying the first generation of these but if apple want to give me a set to test them (laughs) i i I agree with both of you i think this is the first generation this is just the first ugly you're not styling at all with this and you're not going to go down the street with it because somebody will definitely mug you um this is definitely that's going to have to be worn at home or certain places or if you're in the hotel room by yourself and you want to have access to things you can just pull out of your pocket there are some unique things to it, like Dave says. There's some um, aspect features that would be beneficial, like entertainment and things like that. But what this is what I come down to. So I'll explain a couple more things. So they mentioned there'll be a hundred more games that will there'll be a hundred arcade games that will be released upon when this release. Uh, Disney made an announcement in there. I was just I was just going to say, Thomas. The second I would, he stepped up on stage, surely you I lost checkbook it. like <laughs> I, I absolutely lost it when I saw Bob Iker come up there. My wife just says, What in God's name is going on over there? Because I was just having a literally a cow over here. But Disney Plus is coming to the Vision Pro. Um, what makes this really compelling is the Vision OS. And I think this is where it's going to strive for those that are blind. And that means it is able and capable of running any iOS and iPad OS. That is huge. And I'm so glad that they did that and not just cubbyhole the Vision OS all by itself and just hope to God somebody makes it. It's kind of like the Watch OS um, where we had to wait for the developers to create a Watch OS app 
And when they do, most half of them just decided to take it off. So it's just kind of like the watch OS is very limited in terms of what you can download. And so it's disappointing with that aspect. So right out of the box or right out of the gate, this is awesome when it comes to knowing what's capable of doing this. And so all of us obviously are thinking like, all right, so I can use Be My Eyes. I can use Scene AI. I can use Ira. I don't have to buy the specific headsets that other companies are providing. And I feel horrible for those other companies. They got to be thinking to themselves, thank God this is really expensive, but they this price isn't really that much higher than if you want to go to the top of the line. Um, yeah, I'll say any. Envision glasses. Envision more than Envision. The high, the, the low end is, I think, it's about two grand. High end is about three grand. So for five hundred more, I would definitely buy this. I would definitely buy it. Um, so you got to be thinking in terms of blind folks, what this thirty four ninety nine is going to get you. I agree. This is totally a setup for a Vision alone. So it's a cheaper, lower version of the Vision Pro. So they obviously made that naming on purpose. And I believe Tim mentioned that, that a cheaper version will be coming out. And I think that would be the death sentence to a lot of different um, head gears out there. I think that's going to be the one that's going to nail it and uh, really hurt people where the money is coming from. Um, <clears throat> so with that, we want to talk about and a lot of people are wanting to know, how is this going to work? Is this accessible? What can we do with it? Well, we know some information. We like to share that with all of the listeners out here. It is totally 100% accessible, folks. And that is the great news about this. And I know the accessibility team spent a lot of time. And they mentioned that this particular product for the first build or generation of this kind of a product, they have never had so many accessibility features packed in in a first generation um, product. So that is really great news, meaning that there's more things that developers and things we can do with this headset than we were ever able to do with the first generation of anything. So you do not have to have any vision. And if you do not have to have physical movement to be able to use this. So if you do have limitation in one of those fields, you'll be able to use the Vision Pro with no problem. So there's things like for low vision folks that does, does support dynamic type support, has contrast where you can increase contrast, has spoken content, and Zoom is built in the Vision Pro. So it's really great to hear. Now, all of us are, those that are blind are going, okay, okay, what about voiceover? You betcha, this is completely voiceover accessible. For example, you will be using your fingers and hands for all your gestures. So some of the gestures I will name out here. So if you wanted to swipe right or go to the next focus, you just pinch your right index finger. So it does matter if it's right or left. And yes, you can interchange those gestures like we do on iOS, but right out of the box, you can just triple click the digital crown and that'll turn voiceover on. To do a right swipe, you just pinch your index finger. If you want to go to the previous or swipe left, use your middle finger, do a pinch on your right hand. And if you want to activate that item that you're focused on, use your right hand ring finger 
and pinch or your left index finger and pinch. So you get an idea how this is going to work. So it's all hand movements when it comes to voiceover. Is that required? No, but that's what's baked in. You can replace the sight with different gestures, and those can be head position. So if you move and tilt your head, we can use those to implement different controls. You can use your wrist to do different things, and we can also use the index position. It's also support switch controls for those with external keyboard or game controllers that allows you to implement a, pre, a move um, by using the switch control that we find to love on iOS. We do have guided access as well. So if you want to um, hone it down to a single app for those that um, have attention problems, you that guided access is built into the Vision Pro. And lastly, yes, it does allow caption for those that are deaf and hard hearing. So those developers can tap into caption that will allow them to display on the screen what they're missing in hearing. So there are tons of stuff that is available for Vision Pro that is in terms for accessibility, not just for blind people, but for low vision, those with physical movement issues and things like that are all have been thought of and put into this product. So I just want to put that out there. And I thought a lot of you would probably like to hear about that. Did you guys see all that information? Yeah, it's very, very cool. And, you know, we all think back to 2007, the iPhone was announced and we could all see, okay, this could be the future. How on earth are we going to be part of this? And it wasn't built in day one on that occasion. It took them a couple of years. But ever since then, every new thing they brought out, the iPad, the the watch, it's always had, you know, these features from day one. And I'm so, so happy that that's the case again here. And on some a device that we kind of think of, a, you know, that's, I suppose, being sold very much as a, you know, a visual experience. It's called Vision OS. Nonetheless, they are out there on day one saying, look, this is for everybody. If you can't see, this is still spatial, what they call spatial computing. This is, you're a part of this from day one. Um, they're to be commended for it, really. Um, in, in my opinion, I think it's fantastic. And uh, I'm really curious to, you know, whatever whether I'll buy one, I'll definitely be curious to try one out. I am waiting for the light version. And if it does half of what this does, but yet I still be able to, be able to use the vision OS and be able to use all the functionality, then it's almost a no brainer. It's like, I don't know how Envision or cam and um, the one you've been testing out, how they will be able to compete. If this comes out in a lighter version as rich, this is as will support so many different apps that we said we got to have. And now I'm not pigeonholed to a particular prototype um, item that can only use that OS and they only choose what you th they think you should have on there. Now this will open up the door for everything. Um, so that pretty much wraps up WWDC 2023 keynote edition for our Applevis Extra guys. And um, I think we covered a lot. So we'll be looking forward to this fall when we come out with all the things you ever want to know about iOS 17 and the many new things you can expect will be coming up. 
So I want to thank you to Dave and Tyler for coming on and talking about the various things. We have added a lot of things in here that we probably wouldn't have included if we had done this recording yesterday. So that's going to do for AppleViz Extra WWDC 2023 Keynote Edition. Until next time, bye-bye. AppleVis podcast has been brought to you by the community of AppleVis.com for the latest in resources and tips and tricks to get you the best experience from your Apple device. Visit www.applevis.com.